BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we are talking about some players that have may have slipped our earlier videos, some under-the-radar guys that we're going to fill you in now and give you our thoughts. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter or X at Ball Boys Fantasy. Back again with Luke Rodinson, my co-host. How are you, mate? I've been better. It's it's not great when you have a hickey in the middle of your forehead. <laughs> I, just, um, I thought you'd uh, done something a bit different there, but no, what's, yeah, what's well, the I tried, story? I tried to get the guys in hair and makeup before to um, get rid of it. They, uh, they touch you up all right, but I am still rocking... The hickey right in the guts there, so just pull the hat down a bit lower, and you'll be you'll yeah, be all just sweet, mate. Cover up good. there, no one should notice, but um, it's self inflicted. I don't know if many people are watching for our good looks, so I think it's all good, mate. All... Well, not for yours, anyway. But oh, I'd imagine. Okay, oh. cool. <laughs> drive by there. No, it wasn't a drive by. I went straight through you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it's good to be back on. I've had I've had a bit of time away and off Twitter and social media for the last few days, and obviously, how's we... it been for you, mate? It's been good, actually. I feel refreshed, and and I'm. Um, I've got a new sense of just eagerness ready for these preseason games that are going to be, you know, hitting us hard and fast for the next few days. So That's good, mate. It's been good. And obviously, we've, we've had a lot of uh, podcasts recently. We've been talking to other experts and content creators yep. out there. And, and you and I have been, you know, sitting back more so for the last couple of pods and and listening and learning a lot from these experts. These, <laughs> That's uh, not like experts. us to be listening. No, right? no, it doesn't, definitely not listen to each other. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've got a few thoughts about some players that we did uh, miss in our initial kind of run through those positions. So that is what today's podcast is all about. Mm. Some players who are under the radar. Now, some of these guys maybe not so much under the radar in terms of their popularity and ownership, but we maybe didn't give them the love that they probably deserve yep. when we went through our initial you know, positional run through. So we're going to go through and touch on some of those players today and also have a few listener requests and, and just a, a, a general sort of temperature check on some other guys that we maybe have been changing our opinion on since those first initial podcasts. Get stuck sure. in. We're starting with the Tiger, two. Yes, we're two start- Tigers. Well, we are. We're starting, let's kick it off with Shorty. So The one that did play the other day. He did, he did. Now, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because we obviously, we can select Shorty as a defender yes. only at this point this year. And we know that at it's various... six by and... Uh... Yes. Well, at various stages, you know, throughout Damien Harwig's coaching career at Richmond, Shorty did have that friendly half-back role that we like to talk about. But then there were there were points where he was running through the midfield, which, interestingly for him, the the higher CBAs actually coincided He's, with a reduction in scoring. Yes. So I guess the, the kind of great question here on Shorty is... Where's he playing, and what does that look like? Well, all reports say that he's playing off half-back. He played exclusively off half-back in the match sim the other day, even with a bunch of the midfielders missing in that match sim, like players like Dusty, um, Liam Baker, who we'll talk about in a second. Taranto. Um, Taranto was out. Uh, Prestia was also out. So a bunch of midfielders were were out, and he didn't, I don't believe, had a single CBA. He was exclusively playing off half-back. So I think we can feel confident that that's going to be his role. 
What do you, if if we were to lock that in, what do you see his ceiling being? His career high average um, in his you know in his time at Richmond has been a ninety eight, and that was in two thousand and twenty two. Yep. Did that in twenty two games, but I do also believe that some of those games and some of those averages were affected by the back end of the season, also moving a bit more into the midfield. So um, prior to that, he was he was pretty comfortably over that 100 mark. Do you think he could do that again? I think in that role where he's playing half-back, I think he can go better than 98. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he does go 100-plus. The thing that I'm um, waiting on at the moment is just a few more games from Richmond. Obviously, they had the match sim, like you said, but we had a lot of players out. It's kind of hard from that one game to work out, okay, what exactly is the game style going to be yeah. as well? Because that half-back role in a lot of teams is, is not... I don't think it's a, a lock for that a halfback player to be a high scorer. It kind of depends on the game style. Yeah, depends on who that um, they mark as like the key distributor off halfback yep. as well. So if in the next couple of games we see a game style from Richmond where maybe there's a little bit more possession across halfback and Shorty gets involved in that stuff, then you know I think there's a potential for him to outperform I've, what he's priced at. I've heard of that being a discussion point for Richmond that we are going to be kicking it more and possessing the ball a little bit more. Okay. But in that ma- again, it's it's very early days in that match. I didn't see too much evidence of that. I feel like we were still very you know. We looked similar in terms of our, our style of play, but obviously with some key players missing, that might change things dramatically. So You also um, know you're not getting the best of what the opposition has exactly. to offer in those games yeah. too, which is interesting. Yeah. So, so those things are maybe a little bit more difficult to get a gauge on in something like that. Hopefully next week will be a better example of a real, you know... Uh, match that's up for or a game that's up for points. So, and plus, we'll get to watch them in opening round, which is another key point. He's at a price where if you're picking him, you, you're wanting him to be a top six defender. You're wanting you him are. to be. So, so what do you have to see from him in the coming couple of games that would um, make you pick him? I want him to be absolutely getting the large lion share of the kick ins. Okay. I'd want to see a game style conducive to him scoring where there is a little bit more chipping around or he is just unquestioned the. You know, go-to guy every time coming out of defensive 50. Yeah. And I'd also probably need some of those other options to maybe not meet my expectations. Like a Danny because Rioli he, yeah. or something like that. Well, more like, like a Tom Stewart. Sorry, or other like options a Chiesel, in other teams. Like Sorry. some of those other options in our defensive line where Sorry. because he does have that early buy around, um, I just need an extra reason for me to pick him. Yeah. Although some people are saying that obviously he's got the round six buy and... Nick Dacos is coming off that round five by. I've heard some people talking about going with the Jaden Short and okay. then going into a Dacos once Short has his buy. So there's a little bit of a, a game plan there. Again, I'm trying not to do too much of that tricky maneuvering because we all know that a week is a long time in AFL fantasy. It is indeed. And six weeks is a fucking eternity in AFL right. fantasy. So I will have I'll have the car wrapped up by six weeks. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay. may as well not be playing by that point. Fair enough. So, yeah, might, don't bother getting Dacos that way. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I am not really in on that strategy, but that would be what it has to happen for Short to come in there, which at this point I say is unlikely. But if you are keen on him, he is a guy that I think has room to outproduce his price. I think that's fair. Let's let's talk another Tiger here. Now, this is a guy that I uh, brought up with you earlier in the preseason. And it was a I guy dismissed that, it. I mean, for good reason too, I think. So the reason yeah. I brought up Liam Baker was because I, I think I just love him as a player. Oh, I so absolutely he, adore the man. always in the forefront of my mind. And I just thought that maybe with a new coach, maybe there's an opportunity for him to get a new role. And then when I went and had a look at some of his scores from last year, I, I immediately... You threw up in your mouth a little yeah, bit. I did. I thought, I can't deal with all this disgusting score. Yeah. But things have changed since then. What, what are we hearing now? Mike? So we're hearing that he's going to be playing more time in the midfield. And I'm really annoyed that he didn't play on Sunday yeah. when uh, I think he was at a wedding or something. Oh. Uh, it's like it's not even not even anything important, really. Right. So People get married multiple times now. You, just go, you wait to the second one. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was his or someone else's, but oh. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Well, if, it, if it was his, I feel like that's reasonable that yeah, he should probably I, I be heard there. a wedding. I feel like we would have heard more if it was his wedding. But anyway, see if I could find he out. wasn't there and that is annoying because we're not going to see because the thing is, he's going to be playing more in the midfield. Well, what does that actually look like? He's going to be in there 60%, 70% of the time. I can't imagine he's pushing out Taranto. There's a lot of talk about Dusty playing more midfield time. Yeah. I can't imagine him putting out pushing out Hopper. Then you've got Prestia whenever he's healthy as well. So I think which those, is infrequently. Which is, yeah, again, to be fair, he's not often very healthy. But with all those guys being there, I think there's four players that are ahead of him in the pecking order when it comes to CBA usage. Yeah, to me, at point. best, at a healthy Richmond, he's the fifth guy going through that midfield. You know, you could argue that Prestia is not often healthy. But if he's there round one or opening round... 
I don't love trying to rely on the fact that someone's going to get injured, even if they are super injury-prone like a Prestia. Could you make the argument, but that if you're looking towards the future in Baker, out like more on the outer Prestia? Prestia, when he plays, he's going to get his CBAs, but if you're thinking about what's to come... Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. You could definitely think of that, but I'd return sir, to you and say, we've got a new coach. Yeah. Does he want to start the season that way and we're looking to the future around zero? Or are we at least trying to get a few decent performances in the park the first six to eight rounds? And I think, I think then we start to go midway through the season when Pressy's done his hammy twice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Dusty, you know, he's, yeah, he's I, looking solid, but he can also play forward. Like, yeah. maybe then you start to do that? Well... Saying that, saying that Presti is not good, uh, saying that Baker's not going to give you good performances, I think is like comparing him to some sort of rookie or something. Like Baker's, a, Baker's a jet. Oh, he's a jet. He's going to do exceptionally well in whatever role he's in. But, but I, I mean, I do see what you're saying. It, this is why it's an interesting watch, isn't yes. it? So, what, yeah. so then let's ask that same question. What do you, what do you need to see from Baker? He's a, he's a guy that's cheap. He's oh. in the forward line. He's got DPP forward defense. Yeah, there's a few things that I, are I like going for him. Like I said, I love the player. He's one of my favorite AFL players. You know, in the entire comp on our team. He does all the little things, but that's why yeah. I'm always hesitant to suggest him as an AFL fantasy player. I think you're biased. Well, no, I just think that the reason I love him so much is because he does all those little things. Yeah, they are he's, not... He's not a pig. <laughs> they're not fantasy-related things. Like, yeah. he will be the first to dive for a smother. He'll be the first to give an awesome shepherd and get the hardest ball you've ever seen and give it a little handball. It's two points at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, he is not normally the type of guy to, you know, be screaming there for that cheap, like, plus six points. Yeah. He's he's to the next con- next contest. And I've got some stats to back that up as well. So obviously he is he's popped his head into the midfield at times um, over his uh, career at Richmond, which is still, you know, not too long. It's he's still a young player. But even in times where he has had forty percent or more CBAs, his career average is eighty three points. He's priced at seventy. So that does give you a little bit of upside, but again, when you have the early buy around and again, I don't know if he's going to get more than forty percent CBAs. I think that that would be a bullish take. Yeah, um, to I see agree. him go past forty percent. I think around that thirty to forty percent is feasible. Um, but if he's doing that, and maybe he's doing the forward first, a forward roll first, inside mid second, I can see some really low scores still playing in there. He's actually had better scores when he's come off the half back line, and whenever yeah. he's had kick ins. He's got a larger sample size of him being able to do more 85-plus in his career in that role versus the, the high half forward, pinch hitting in the midfield role. Um, just because, yeah, he's not the kind of guy that gets the cheap stuff. He gets the hard stuff, does the little things, and that's not what we want for fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm interested to watch. I, I don't I don't think it's far-fetched to, to say that there's a scenario in a couple of weeks' time where we're all thinking, oh, this role looks pretty good and the scoring was all right. So I can definitely see both sides of the yeah. argument. Something that's interesting too and, and maybe doesn't get as much airtime is that not all midfield roles are built equally as well. So exactly. just because you have the same CBAs as someone else, if you're playing a completely different midfield role, one that comes to mind is um, Kane Lambert when he was at the peak of his powers at Richmond. He, he would have been playing high CBA percentages on, yeah. I'm assuming, I don't have the stats to back it up, but his role was basically to cover Dusty's man because Dusty would fuck off yeah. forward. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dusty's so, not tackling, he's not doing the that, hard work. And, no. and maybe that is what Baker's in there for. Um, it's I mean, you've got Hopper and Taranto in there who could do a bit more of that now as well. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the user is going to be Dusty. The I, I guess the accumulator is going to be your Taranto, Taranto's. Hopper types. It'll be interesting. Types. That's At the very least, it's all going to be interesting to see how that pans out for sure. Yeah, I think so. But at this stage, I have a hard time seeing it eventuating. But again, I love the man. And if he does show me piggish tendencies, then I'll, I'll have <laughs> a look at it. I'll have a look at it. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly... Everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Let's move away from some Tigers and talk about our last defender that you and I have selected, and that is Jordan Clark. I think we touched on him briefly in our Defender podcast, but... A couple of things have happened, obviously, since then. Um, the, the confirmation of Hayden Young going to midfield yes. seems to have happened. We've also had uh, an injury to Heath Chapman, who is in doubt to start round one for them. So a couple of bodies going down. Is Jordan Clark 
trending up, trending sideways, or how are we viewing him um, this preseason? And is he a legit option for us to start him? Again, he's got that good buy that the Frio and Port Adelaide players have. He does. He was he was a guy that I've been giving some consideration to for a while now, and the Chapman thing. I don't think influenced me too much because I know there was a bit of talk that Chapman was going to be playing potentially a bit of a wing role as well. Um, But I definitely think the Hayden Young thing is influential. Whilst Hayden Young wasn't taking the majority of the points down back, it was obviously Luke Ryan. I think it does free up a few few points, but also a little bit of a role for Jordan Clark as well. He's a guy that I think down in that half-back role has, has shown that he was a little bit different to Hayden Young in the fact that he probably could be in that role a little bit more thirsty, a little bit yep. more like um, possession-driven. And if he can get a, a few CBAs, you know, when Luke Ryan's not down there throwing elbows to... It's like Boxing Day sales when Luke Ryan's in, in the goals. Sorry, a few kick-ins, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, trying to take those off Luke Ryan. But, um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that even in the back half of the year when Hayden Young went into, it kind of directly correlated with a few more points for Jordan Clark in those last three games there. So Yeah, and this is something I want to... I wanna, touch on a little bit with that because a lot of people are pointing to those last three and the last five. Mm. The last three paints a very different picture to the last five. Yes. Okay. And we all do need to remember that um, Hayden Young went into the midfield. I believe it was in round 20. So that was the final five games of the year. So this is where I have a little bit of a, an issue with people cherry picking stats and you can, you can cherry pick stats when they give you a better insight and I will use the last five because this is a difference in the team's dynamic. Obviously, Hayden Young has yep. moved into the midfield of the last five. So the last five average for Hayden or for Jordan Clark, I think, is relevant. But if you were to split that into the last three versus the last five, yep. I think you're doing yourself a disservice because you're arbitrarily kind of just cutting off his bad scores and keeping in the good scores. That's how stats work, isn't it? I think, I think that's how people would like them to work. But um, look, with Hayden Young going into the midfield... Those first two games with Hayden Young moving in there, Jordan Clark scored a 70 and a 67. Yep. Now, that was with Hayden Young in the mids, and he yep. was kind of that second user in that time. Um, then he went on to have 114, an 89, and a 99. Um, two of those, or well, three of those five games were in wins, so there's not like a clear distinction in wins versus not in wins. Yeah. Um, the teams that he was versing, one was the Eagles, so that was where he had his 114. So again, maybe there's a bit of a... Like, they beat them by 100 points. That, Shouldn't that, that mean game. the ball's not at his end? You would think so, but but he is the kind of type that might just relish the fact of, you know, like you said, that thirst factor. He Could might be. just relish the fact of getting a lot of ball. Um, yeah. And the other game, he beat they beat the, uh, the Hawks by just under 40 points again, and he got his 99. So... There's evidence to suggest that he could be valued, but he yeah. also might not be. And he's at the price where, what's he at, 70 or... He sort of needs to be. He, he needs to be like a guarantee. Like, this guy needs to be approaching. Yeah. I'm just going to look up his price, actually. What if So, while, while you're doing that, I, I think I certainly, certainly agree with you in terms of, you know, not looking, especially at a small sample size, so the last three versus the last five. I, yeah. I also do think that when those in-season changes happen, there is like a slight adjustment period for see players yeah. going into those roles. The other thing, too... And that, he's 23, so he's... Yeah, the, you know, and the other thing, too, is where, where do we sit on a player like this is picking a player like this an easy pivot if it goes wrong because he is at the top of that he's not he's not a mid price he's just like he's above it but because he's above it if it, if what you see in the first couple of weeks doesn't work out he's an easy pivot because you can pivot down or yeah. you can pivot up you got options to go either way yeah i mean um, yeah there's definitely that and it depends i guess on who else you've selected like have you selected an Elliot Yo or yeah, you know his teammate Hayden Young. Or I mean, I'm sure we're all picking Hayden Young, but there Can't is we're saying yeah. that. <laughs> lock. Um, so yes, I guess it depends on how many of those other guys you have, and yeah, and to give you those other options, maybe you've already got some of the other options, and you don't really have anyone to go to, depending yeah. on how you're structuring up. But um, oh, I still prefer to have seen something, yeah, you know, a bit more tangible, especially when you're at this price. If you're at a cheaper price. There's much more room for you to take Speculate. those kind of speculative picks. Yeah. But this guy's priced at 76 and a half points. So for him to go up 20 yeah. points of value, that's a top six defender. Yeah. Um, so you want to be back on is that. Is him going up 10 points and averaging 86, 87, is that enough? It's a bit of a, it's an okay pick, but it's not a great pick. Yeah. Um, 
So for me, I'd rather kind of start someone else and maybe he's the guy I trade into okay. instead if, of if the pops. other way around. So who in that sort of price range, because we, we talked to Jepper and Jepper gave us some great insights just in terms of the lack of defender rookies and having mm. to have a reasonably strong back line. Well, there's not a lot of top price guys that we necessarily want to pick that have heaps upside. Who are the guys that we're picking around this range? Obviously, Elliot Yo's a name that's getting some yep. some um, air time. Like, who, who else are we going to? Uh, Windhager could be one. Like, okay. it's 120k. So go cheaper. Yeah, and... it's 120k to go from Windhager up to Clark. So that could be okay. something you could maybe little small little restructure or something like that might be an option for people to do. You might be looking at going down from someone like a Tom Stewart down to someone like him if he does pop. Okay, and then you know maybe finding using that cash somewhere else and and that might be a different way. I think I think there's always ways for us to get creative. Um but yeah, I, I think that would be a victim of you putting him in your team because he fits the price tag in terms of like the range of a kind of player you're looking for. Rather than, rather than the player himself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like it'd be convenient if he was the great pick because he's at a great price. Yeah. But is it actually likely to happen? I have my doubts. I could be proven wrong, though. Like, yeah. you know, he is a kind of player, and I agree with you. There is potential there. There is, like, a bit of thirst. We've seen him go for a 135. I think he did that yeah. in, like, a half or three quarters in a preseason game at Geelong. So he, he's got some fantasy game about him. Um, so I'm not ruling him out. I'm just saying, based on that end of last season where people are kind of holding their hopes on, I can poke holes in it pretty easily, I feel like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's talk our next player. I want to get your got. thoughts on this guy because okay. he is he's spent a bit of time in my team. Has he? And okay. uh, recently, recently over the last month or so, and um, I'm, I'm a bit I'm fifty fifty on it at this stage. I don't have a strong feeling either way. Okay. But Jai Newcomb, yep. for the um, Hawthorne Hawks. Now he is a guy who. It's his third season in the NBA, but he was a mid-season in the NBA. Fuck, he's what doing, did I say? He's doing well. <laughs> Jesus, I'm. He's, Rusty, yeah. he's code hopping. <laughs> First season in the AFL. This uh, guy is a jet. He is, um, but he was a mid-season draft, a draftee. So his first season was like a halfway. He yeah. came in. I remember his first game. He had like fourteen tackles or something like that. So it's really his third preseason. A lot of people talk about like the third preseason things like that, yeah. and also combining. You know, his natural development, the absence of a will day. He's someone who, well, I think he had 69% CBAs. And the thing that really flagged my eyes was, you yeah. think of a John Newcomb, what do you think about as his strength? like Tackling. His tackles were probably the weakest part of his game if you compare him to the top six in uh, fantasy. He was, That's I interesting. think, uh, four tackles per game, okay. um, which was lower than his mark average. I'm just going to confirm that before I spit shit. But um, yeah, so he had four and a half marks and 4.3 tackles um, compared to the best 22 midfielders. They had 6.2 tackles. So he is two tackles behind the best mids in the game, which okay. really surprised me because I, like you, thought, this guy's a tackler. That's yeah, his strength. Yeah. That's his bread and yeah. butter. But he was actually, that was his area of weakness, plus the fact that he's got a bit of a weak handle to kick ratio. Um, but I don't know. Is 22 years old, is there scope for him to take another step forward? Oh, there's certainly scope. What what I find interesting, and in, like with a lot of the stuff that we say we want to watch in the preseason as yeah. well, is... <laughs> There's so many hawks on people's radars. Oh, so that, many. That are like they can't being, all do it. This is what I yeah. mean. This is like a, so. There's so many hawks on people's radars that that are deemed to have this potential upside. So where does it go? Yeah. If we see in the preseason that it does go to Newcomb and maybe his. So he only had 69% CBAs. 69% CBAs, which again surprised that me. That surprised me he, as well. And that's he was. I want to say second in their rankings. Uh, no, so he was first. Was it Connor Nash? What did Connor Nash have? Connor Nash had 69 as well. So they okay. were equal. Okay. Um, so they don't have a, a top guy that does that. No, 80% it wasn't. It wasn't a top guy. They had a bit of a spread between Nash, Newcomb, and Warple were all high 60s. Yeah. Will Day was lower 60s, but he started a bit lower and then built up as well. So what do you see and as then a the more big gap down to Josh Ward as the next guy? What do you see as the more likely scenario? Is it that? Is it that um, Nash and Newcomb go to 80% CBAs or is it that guys like Ward, McDonald increase their CBAs? The quotes that I've heard from people talking about, because we know also now that Will Day is going to miss round one. Yeah. I expect he's actually going to miss longer. I think he's going to uh, miss three to four rounds here. Um, that they're going to be sharing it around, I think is the, the wording. Okay. 
I would expect if I was to pick one of these guys to become that big dog 80%, it would be Jai Newcomb. I don't think Connor Nash necessarily would I do think that. I agree. If there's one guy that, that is, I would agree with that. But do you think that's more likely than McDonald, um, um, Ward, I think, McKenzie I think more? both can occur. Okay. Like, I, think, I think it could be like he only needs, you know, if he's at 69, 70%, if he goes on up another 10 to 15%, that's, that can happen as well as someone else coming in and, and having a 30 to 40% jump with obviously Will Day 60%. Missing from the side. Um, in the two games that Will Day was not there last year, Jai Newcomb went 88% and 88% in round five and round six. And okay. in those games, That's I believe start. he had 120 and 118. Uh, just double-checking those. Now, yeah, it's, yeah. You're it's, on again, it's, it's a small sample size, yeah. but the CBAs, the scoring, both elevated with him not in the side. And I can build an argument to say that he reminds me a little bit of like a Caleb Sarong of last year. Like a guy who was in there and, you know, you consider him one of their best midfielders, but yeah. when you look into the numbers, it's like, well, no, he's actually got more room to grow. Like Sarong yeah. went from like a 65% to an 82% guy. I can build a slight narrative that Newcomb could do the same thing. Um, but he's a little bit more expensive than Sarong was. And the team is, I mean, maybe, maybe of a similar level to what Freer was last year, but... So it's just a little bit less confidence for me. At risk of going too long, but let's dig into it just a little bit more. Is yeah. So he's priced at 93. If we're talking about this as like a Will Days out, let's say, hypothetical, you said four weeks. Yep. Like... If he's priced at ninety three and you're picking him, it's not you don't necessarily want to be trading this guy after no. four. Are you anticipating him to be close enough to a top eight midfielder? Good because question. Yeah, the, the thing. Sorry, um, to yeah. cut you off, but the thing that I think is like you can look at a guy like a Connor McDonald as that. Okay, I can get on this guy for four weeks and yeah. take that punt. Whereas I feel like if you pick him, it, this is not like a four week play to then flip him when Will Day comes back. Yeah, I think. I agree with you. The only thing that makes me go, well, maybe we just sort of see how it goes is the options that are coming off their buy that are other good options like a Sam Walsh, okay. like a Tom Green, like an Errol Goulden or one of these guys, even a Nick Dacos to plug into midfield or something like so that. So if it doesn't go... So if it doesn't go, if it goes well and then goes south, you've got maybe another option that you can jump over to that okay. um, you know, we might still be in that kind of fix-up rounds in that kind of area. Worst case scenario, I still think he's going to be at least that 95 to 100 kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's disaster if you get a little bit of a hot patch at the start and then he goes back to being kind of just okay. He also has a late buy. I think he's got round 15. So he's the kind of guy that, if it, again, if it does go well and you're happy holding him for that time until his buy, round 15, you flick him off and you don't feel too bad about it. You can kind of get someone coming off their buy. Whereas if you've got like a premium, you don't really like to trade your premiums that are doing really well, whereas a guy like Newcomb, you don't feel too bad about it. But there's a few moving pieces. Uh, like I said, he's been in and out of my side. Um, maybe, like I said about that, Jordan Clark, is he, is he just fitting a convenient price? Like, yeah, sometimes when you get down to those last few yeah. spots, you rather than rejigging your whole team, you just find that convenient guy. Who goes better, Amon or Newcomb? Newcomb. I think Newcomb goes better. Okay. I think he's just, I think he's just a more integral part of their team, and I think that... They just want to give him the ball more. The other thing is that handle to kick ratio. Is that something that players change? Is that something that you think is? I'll, I would suggest no. No. Unless there's a real concerted effort because guys, they've been doing that since they were juniors. They yeah. feel that comfort He, he does seem like off. a very in and under contested yeah. type of player. Unless there's a directive said you need to change your game, you need to kick more, then for me as a player, that's, that's his bread and butter. Like yeah. he's doing what he does best for the team. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. It's not something I guess I'd try to predict that it's going to all of a sudden change. So, yeah. But yeah, he's just an interesting one that I am definitely keeping on in this pre-season. Yeah, this is good fun so far. These are good players. Yeah, good players. Let's talk about another interesting one that, again, has spent time on my side, Nick Martin. We sort of touched on the Carl Amon, who was a very similar type of player, but we yeah. when we went through the midfielders, we, we skipped over Nick Martin. Um <laughs> Just to start it off, like, where are you at this stage in Nick Martin versus Carl Amon? Do you have a preference for one of the two? I have Nick Martin in, the, in with the Ox songs at the moment. Oh, he's he, there. You know, I, you know what I love most about him? Is that he hates playing defense. Defending. <laughs> he hates defending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hates manning up on someone, and that's what you want to defend. That's exactly what you want. See yeah. pill, get pill. Yeah. So, I think it's... I mean, we're not the first people to talk about this. It's pretty well yeah. publicized that... Um, 
he's looking at a half-back role. Yes. And the fact that he can pick it up on the wing, we know how juicy that half-back role can be. Exactly, um, yeah. The only thing that, that just makes me sort of pause for a second and check myself is, is just that Essendon seemed to have a lot of guys off mm. their half-back line. Not necessarily guys that score highly, but guys that when you say the name, you think, oh, that's a guy who'll get a bit of pill. Like yep. Ridley, Redmond, McGrath. Um, am I missing... Uh, anyone, but I'm sure you are, but I can't remember either. So. But you just kind of look at those names Temple. and you go, those are not guys that are popping out 40s and 50s. Those nah. are guys that like will get their share of yeah. pill too. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I think that all signs point to Nick Martin having a good year, but there's just a few things that I want to have a look at. Yeah, I, um, I think from what I've heard, uh, Nick Hind is someone that's moved to the forward line to help facilitate that, but he wasn't really someone... Strange that they've got him moving. The, the word Hind literally means... Back. <laughs> yeah, well, well, he was relevant a couple of years ago when he did move back, and then uh, now he's going back again. So, but um, like you said, there's still a few names going through that defensive line, but he just strikes me as that guy. And I think Roy from the Traders have been earmarking this one. He, he looks like he's, he'd thrive in that role. Like he just looks like, yeah. and it's not the not even just that half back role that he's been pegged for. It's it's the Nick Dacos half back role where it's you've got zero accountability <laughs> on your on you, your matchup. You get my man. Yeah, no, I'm you were just here. going literally just there to move the ball and for <laughs> offense. And uh, I think that that'd be something he'd be very good at. He's got a ceiling. He had you know several games over 110. He had a patch between round 10 and round 15 where he his lowest score was 104, and that was on a bloody wing. And we know that wings can be a bit of a graveyard shift, and uh, you know, not, not for him. Not not for him. A he guy can, that uh, a guy that does what he do like 130 in his first game of yeah. AFL footy. So yeah, he's got he's I got mean, um, he's not, got some no upside. Accident. So I too am on the Martin over Amon at this stage. I just mm. think he's a younger, more upsidey player. I also think he's more cemented in that move back to half-back. I feel like Carl Amon is more likely of the two to at any point switch back to the wing. Um, okay. Just because there are a few guys in Hawthorne, you talk about your Josh Weddles, um, your Sicilies, Seamus um, yeah, Mitchells. Those guys at Essendon too. Yeah, but I think they're like, Nick Hines the future. Carl Amon is not really the future at Hawthorne, whereas some of those other guys are. So... That's just my, my thinking there. Um, the only thing that people would swing to aim on is because we saw it at the end of last year. Yes. And there's evidence, there's evidence. to say. But that we he might can get score. that evidence for Martin in the preseason. We so. might. So, But I, I really like him. If I was choosing between the two, between him and Amon, I, at this stage, would be picking Nick Martin. Um, all right. Who okay. we got next? What are we got? We got Come next. On. Oh, we're moving into the forward line. A couple of dicey picks here. Let's start with the old man. And this is. <laughs> We're, talk, we're talking under-the-radar players. This guy's actually very highly owned. Yeah, and yeah. The, the, the title of this podcast is not going to make any sense, is it? <laughs> um, Under-the-radar. But Nat Fife. We didn't talk about him. We completely disregarded him in our forward uh, podcast, despite the forward line looking like shambles. Oh. Were we too quick to write off the dual Brownlow medalist in well, Fifey? Well, when you say dual Brownlow medalist and the fact that we have written him off, yeah, it probably does seem a little bit hasty. But I still, it's still something I have some significant reservations about um, a couple a couple of things obviously we've heard the fact that he's going to be going into the the midfield which is yeah okay that's what, that's fine what do you but oh you keep going I've got a question about that yeah yeah well, what I'm sort of thinking is I think that he's going into the midfield but he's not going into the the midfield to be a one top dog yeah that's like, that's my point so he's going into the midfield to be that little bit of class and I feel I just get the feeling that from from this point until the rest of his career, he's going to be that um, quality over quantity type yeah. guy. And then hanging over all this, you have two massive flags. It's like the bloody UN. We've got flags everywhere. Yeah. We've got we've got the the injury yes. flag, of course. But then the other thing is, like, I think they've haven't they publicly come out and said like this is a guy that we will vest. Either. Yeah, absolutely. And so and, and, that, and they've done it before. Yeah, vest or you know it it Just could injured. be a rest yeah. as, as well. So vest or rest, we don't want that. And with a guy that we're picking at a price that we're expecting cash generation. Imagine he plays three games. He's looking really good. He's averaging seventy five, eighty. Everyone's going great, and they go, "Oh, you've had a good one, five. You just you know pop the vest on thirty five. Yeah. Suddenly your cash gen is just absolutely stalled. Yeah. Uh, even if he then comes back the next week and keeps giving you those seventy five to eighty, 80s, like yeah. do you know what I mean? So I just I know that. Um, there's every chance I could be wrong, but I just have my reservations. Yeah, like they come up against North Melbourne in round two. Scenario, they're pumping North Melbourne by 40 points. Fife 
Come have a seat, mate. Like, just, yeah. just come and pop the jacket on. You know, you've, you've done your, your three quarters. Like, we're, we're, can, we're cruising. Don't don't worry about it. There's certainly arguments for looking at it both ways. You could look at North Melbourne and say, hey, Fife, it could be in for a big one yeah, as well. True. So, yeah. so yeah. there's, you know, um, we're just sort of giving our opinion there. I just feel like there's there's a few reservations. Uh, the there. other thing is, for me, Nate, 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 Nat Fife, at his best, as good as he was when he was a Brownlow medalist, he wasn't, now he's good fancy scorer like he had 105 seasons but that's peak of his powers Matt Fife was 105 yeah like you're not he, talking about McRae numbers yeah, this, this is not yeah this is not Tom Mitchell uh, this is not 20. someone who's someone like you know even like a Lockie Neal at times like he, he's a guy that you can give you know, he had 120 season that COVID year like this guy as a Brownlow medalist is not your typical AFL fantasy producer because he is that guy that goes in and wins those contested balls and he was always a better super coach player and I'm sure he's a great pick in that in that format but in fantasy oh, what's he priced at? He's priced at like a 50 I want to say um, so he probably needs to go um, where is he priced at? He's priced at 54 and a half actually so he probably needs to go 75-80 to be a really good pick I don't and I don't see. know if that's going to be where he's at. And and the other thing is, he's, he says he's going to be in the midfield. Is that 30%, 40%? What what actually is that looking like when you've got Brayshaw, Sarong, Hayden Young, yeah. uh, Matt Johnson's going to be you know trying to get in there. You've still got Yago Amira who probably moves out a little bit, but there are a few names to go through there. I think that the percentage will definitely be there. And, and if I was confident that there was going to be... Number, what number would you put on it? I think it's going to be greater than 50 yeah, based on what I've I've been hearing, but the the thing is, if if I was guaranteed greater than fifty percent CBAs, not going to be subbed, not going to be rested, I'd be thinking I think Fifey can probably do seventy five, yeah. eighty, yeah. But it just takes one to yeah. stunt that the, cash. There's gen. like three or four things that could go wrong. Yeah. Um, oh man, I think it's it's definitely a watch, and like I've said this about all our forward options, and it's going to be the the line that we pay the most attention to. It's definitely yeah. a watch. There is just, like you said, like there's a few hurdles he's got to clear. And even yeah. then, I'll be a little bit nervous about it. Um, so if there's other options around his price that have similar upside, I'll probably go there. If they fall over and Fife is the last man standing, then I'll pick him. But I'm, I'm trying to avoid it if I can. There's certainly <laughs> scenarios where we could be going to the last man standing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, speaking about old men, you know, having resurgence in different roles, uh, Alex Sexton. And I, I have something I, I'm really annoyed about because I've got... A little little birdie inside Gold Coast, and I fucking knew about this Alex. Connected I this fucking guy. knew about this. Did you Alex know and not tell me? I told you. No, you didn't. Did I not tell you? But anyway, I knew you, about this in like you January. Prick. We're breaking up, mate. And I thought, oh, this is not relevant. We're not going to care about this. It's Sexton, is he? You know, I, I didn't think it'd be this big deal that it was, so I didn't mention anything at I'm the gonna, time. I'm going to call you Nick Hind, mate, because you're a <laughs> hindsight hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely jumping on. Bro, but, um, the traders broke the news, not you, mate. But yeah, I, I did know about this, and I didn't know. I think it was going to be much, but apparently, everyone's really keen. What are your thoughts about Alex Sexton? And uh, look, he's cheap. He's definitely someone, and in yeah. the forward line, we like cheap. Is he someone in a half-back role, which is the, you know, it's real. This is happening, bro. at least in the preseason. This is the craziest thing, hey, because like it's awesome that the traders are able to have players on their podcast because it's different when you, you know, you get a track-watching Nuffy that tweets out like Alex Sexton's, Sexton's playing half-back. You kind of go, okay, yeah. yeah, cool, cool. But when Sam Flanders literally gets on a yeah, podcast yeah. and says, pick this guy in your fantasy team, you go... What the fuck do I do now? Yeah, well, now I I've got to pick him. I have to pick him. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, this is the thing. I, I haven't. I haven't made. We need made Dimmer the, to come out and say, "Put him in your super coach team." Or something well, like that. he said that for Flanders, <laughs> hasn't he? So uh, I haven't actually made the move to put Sexton in because I, I think I'm just waiting to actually see it. But I think it's as good as a lock that he's playing that role. Like, uh, yeah. Look, you're now, not going to come out as a player and say that if it's completely false. Now, I know, I know, halfbacks is something that gets thrown around the preseason a lot. We love it. We love the halfback, especially this season. There's a difference between a halfback who's he's like a small defender versus like what I would call your main distributor. Like, are we? We're not thinking that he's going to be their main distributor, right? Like, we're not thinking that he's their Dacos or their Bloody Tom Stewart or anything like that. It's in the name, mate. He's, maybe he's a just sexy distributor. There's this <laughs> sex on legs coming yeah. up the half-back line, mate. I don't know. And we could we could even lump Connor Buderick into this situation as well because... See, the name doesn't have... It doesn't, doesn't quite have that... Sexton off the half-back. 
<laughs> oh yeah, and the, must, the mustache I think oh. is the other thing. Look at that stash and the. And I keep oh, telling mate. you, you got to trust people that have mustaches um, and hickeys on their forehead. You, you've got Connor Buderick, you've got Will Powell, who I'm pretty hot on as well. You've got um, Lockie Weller, who though he's starting the year injured, but he'll eventually come his way back to the side. Mm. I just have maybe it's maybe this is a little bit. I need to check this. This is a bit of P- PTSD with um, Constable that was in our side Excuse last you? year. Oh, jeez, okay. <laughs> I was like, what you just call- Mate, we're going to have to put the explicit tag. Constable, um, who is, like, he started off in that halfback role, two rounds, good scoring, and then was out of the side. And he has a, probably, I would say, a higher fantasy pedigree than someone like a Sexton. But did Flanders come out and say that Constable was a lock prior to last season? Well, I don't think... I think Flanders was a lock at that time, so he probably hadn't, didn't have the say. But I don't know. I, I, he's so I'm not ruling him out, but I'm, I'm looking at it, obviously. He's, so, he, he's like, he's a Nick Caulfield kind of price, isn't Yeah, he's he? priced at right? 40, I think. 382. And he's so in the, He's in the forward line. He's what in do, the forward What line. do you have to see then? If you're not, if you're not convinced by... Well, he's playing round zero. Flanders. I'm going to want to have to see at least a 65 in round zero. In a good role. In a, in a scoring and a solid role. And feel confident that his job security is decent because he's he's essentially I don't say I'm not gonna say rookie price, he's a mid pricer, but he's there for the sole purpose of generating cash, and to do that you need to have solid job security. He's got that round three buy. So why am I paying round, him when I could go buy. when I could go down to like a uh, I mean, we're all going to have Harley Reid, but like some of those other cheaper rookies. Yeah, I, I can see the argument, but when the question is sex, the answer is always yes. <laughs> That's a totally different conversation, mate. <laughs> Why didn't you talk me about that before? <laughs> uh, but yes, Alex Sexton, he's a watch. Uh, and the last guy here who's come out of nowhere, I would say. I did not think we'd be talking about out this Out of man. nowhere. Uh, Charlie world. Lazaro, playing inside Bro. midfield time, priced at 288k. Uh, he is someone that is a hot name these days. What are we? What are we thinking? I mean, he's essentially a rookie price. I go back and look at some of his score scores in full game times, and it sh- sends a shiver down my <laughs> spine. Uh, but obviously, he has different a different role. role. Hopefully, and we will have a chance to look at this tomorrow when they do play the Magpies. Um, but yeah, twenty one, turning twenty two soon. Is he someone that? Again, we just kind of see that role and go, okay, you're in our side. Or is it a little bit more selective than that? When your name has consecutive Zs in it, that's got to be a good idea. The double Z? The double Z. We're not sleeping on him. Um, Well, it it certainly fits the the bill for what we look for, isn't it? It's it's a change in role. It's the midfield role. Um, I don't think it's something to be discounted, but like with anything that we've spoken about, I, I want to see what it looks like. He had a game at the end of last season as a 74% CBA player, and in yeah. that game, he scored an 88. So obviously, 77%. We see a role like that in the preseason. Lock, lock, yep. lock, lock him in. DPP, forward line, of course. Yeah. Yeah. These, he, these forward lines are starting to get cheap. It, you reckon? <laughs> because there's this forward line's so shit, everyone's just doing this significant digging for these value players. Do we, do we start with a forward line that doesn't have premiums. If, well, I am certainly thinking that's on the cards. And I think there's a, a, a scenario where you start with three rookies on your field in the forward line because yeah. that's where the value is. And um, Lazaro could definitely be one of those guys with that role that you start on your field. So, um, yeah, if, if he's got that 40-plus percent CBA role, I'd pretty much lock him into my side and chuck him on my field and feel pretty happy with that. Um, so it's just a matter of if we see that in the preseason or not. And if he's there round one, I think if he's got the role, lock him in. Not too much more to discuss there. Now, you put uh, put the question out to Twitter. Yes, I'm back on Twitter. Uh, took a little <laughs> break. Just a few days. Tell me, tell me really, did you completely cleanse? I did. I deleted the app off my phone. Did you actually? I deleted the app. Ah, nice, Went man. off. And uh, yeah, so what was it? Three days all up. Felt uh, like an eternity. Twi- Twitter community would have been in mourning, mate. Where's Mitch? <laughs> I reckon so. Uh, nice I'm a vital member over there. But uh, yes, did send out the, um, you know, the call out. Some players that... People wanted to discuss that we Did haven't you say really discussed. I'm back in the tweet. Yeah, I'm back, baby. Oh. <laughs> uh, my three days. No one even noticed I was gone, really. Nope. Um, but. Some people that responded back, we did cover yep. a few of the names already that people did respond. But the first one we'll talk about, maybe okay. a quicker sort of discussion here. Yep. Mitch Hinge. What did you? What are your thoughts on Mitch Hinge? Uh, I think we've spoken about it a little bit, but maybe elaborate a bit more. Is he someone you're considering highly? A watch? What do you think? Uh, a watch again for me. I, I he hasn't really come into too much consideration at the Ox songs. I just think that there's. Um, I feel like there's better options that present potentially more upside. I know that it's something that where we've seen a little bit from him, yep. um, but I think there's also 
some opportunity for that role not to be as um, like cut and dry as perhaps yeah. it was when we saw that scoring as well um, with a few new faces uh, in the Crows' back line as well. Uh, what do you reckon? Um, he's a watch. He's never really spent time in my team. I sort of see him kind of similar to a Jordan Clark in a way, although his sample size of doing that 90-plus yeah. is much larger. So in a way, I almost prefer him to a Jordan Clark because the evidence is a bit more there. Um, in a side like Adelaide... It's tough because there's a lot hinging on them. But uh, in terms of their game plan, that wasn't intentional, but I registered it. Uh, in terms of the game plan, like how much chipping around the back line do they do? Are they still that super heavy stoppage team? And I think that is not the best for a player like him. Um, so uh, you have to tick a few boxes for me. Uh, a watch, but not someone who I'm super excited about, uh, yeah. I would say at this stage. Matty Johnson. Frio. Yeah, a proven, a proven scorer in the right role and um, played a great role for us in, in our teams last year. Um, he's just too expensive. He's too expensive now, but also a few unknowns with that Frio midfield. So where we've got people coming out saying Fife's in there, Hayden Young's now going to be in there. Kind of Will Brody's training the house down. Okay. So. Well, he, I mean, he was a guessing game last year, wasn't he? Yeah. What was going on there. So... Um, it's we'll too much to, risk. When, when, so. when your role's uncertain, your, your vest is potential still there, yeah. and you're paying 500k, uh, I need more certainty for someone than that. Yep. Darcy Parrish, a bit more of a premium pod option. Have you ever considered putting Darcy Parrish in with the, the Oxlongs? No, Parrish hasn't trained with the Oxlongs. Um, I feel that there's far better picks around that price and then also cheaper as yep. well. So, like, he's obviously... You know, significantly more expensive than Butters, Steele, LDU. And if I'm going to play for, pay for a guy that's just under a million dollars, I'm probably going to pay for someone like Laddie. Yeah. Um, I think if you're picking Parrish, you want to be confident that you can just whack a C on him. Yes. If you are confident that you can put a captaincy on Darcy Parrish, by all means, I don't have a problem with the pick. I think there is some level of upside. It's not, it's not, you're not picking him because he's underpriced per se, but. Yeah. There's a world where he goes 110, and that's a solid pick and is unique. Uh, I don't see him getting much of a tag or attention or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so my thing is, can you be confident putting a captaincy on him? If the answer is no, you probably shouldn't have him in your side. Fair enough. Next bloke is JHF, Horn yeah, Francis. Francis. What, what do you think he looks like this year in terms of we've heard that Wines is a guy that might be getting some more midfield time? I think he has to be the guy that makes way for that, if that's going to be the case. Why Either him or Drew or a bit of both. Is the, People who watch Port more closely probably be able to answer this question, but what's the rationale there? Like, Horn Francis is obviously the future. I know Port Adelaide are in, in their premiership now. window. Yeah. So is, is that the justification? Is it okay? Well, we is, think is that Is a pretty handy forward as well? Horn um, Francis? Yeah. In ter- yeah, okay, in terms of explosive. Like he, he could take a decent mark overhead and... Yeah, a bit so more I think my answer on Horn Francis is no, but and it's purely because of the wines coming back in there. I yeah, think that I wines does a bit what he does. He's not a good fantasy player. Like he's he's in that nut five mold. Yeah, you know? true. He's, he's an impact player, and yeah. yeah, you're right. What he does is is good, but doesn't yeah, necessarily. I, I'd rather jump on after a couple of rounds if I see something different. Yeah, than launch into it round one. So uh, it's a pretty easy no for me there. Shay, he looked good in the preseason game. Uh, best did. on ground for me, but. Again, we have to note the players who were not there. Correct. And also being publicly said that he'll play more forward. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I think that's a pretty quick line through him um, just yeah. because... A jet butt. Yeah, love him. Absolutely love him. I think he'll be good, probably better for Richmond than our fantasy team this year. Yeah. Liam Duggan. Any uh, any thoughts on Liam Duggan? Again, I think we spoke about him maybe a couple of times, but any anything changed for your yeah, thoughts about him? I'm not 100% sure on exactly what that role is going to be. The more midfield time, what... Percentage is that? Yeah. What role is he playing when he's across half back? Is he a distributor or is it guys like Witherden? Um, I find if you've got if you've got that many questions, it's it's the not one no. I'd, I'd go into. You know what I mean? I yeah. think you want to be certain. He's not cheap. Like he's no. a premium. Yeah, so you're you paying be, for a premium. You yeah. want to be pretty certain on what he can do. Yeah. Um, so I I kind of echo what you're saying there. If I'm yeah. not too sure, and I am not too sure, uh, I I tend to look at other options around his price. Couple of guys that I am also very much watching in the preseason, um, guys with potential midfield roles: Tom Powell, 
for the for the Kangaroos yeah. and Jai Clark for the Bombers. Now, Clark's an interesting one because I think there is a couple of injuries at the Bombers. I think Hobbs is injured at the moment. Um, I don't know what's going on with Setterfield, and you'd have to think that someone like a um, who's that who's that older bloke. I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Shield. I think you have to think yeah. he's, he's coming out of the midfield a little bit. So behind Parish and um, Merritt, there's a few options and things that could happen in that third, fourth, fifth midfield role. And Caldwell could be that kind of a guy. Uh, what are your thoughts on either one of these players in Powell or Caldwell who are both available as forwards? Uh, Powell's interesting. So Powell's price very similar to Johnson, who we were just talking about before. What What yep. is it that makes you think that Powell is more in line for that midfield time at North Melbourne than Johnson would be at Freo? Because there's a fair few names stacking up in that North there Melbourne are. midfield. Yeah, there are. Um, there's actually quite a few. Guys. Well, number one, he's a forward. Um, so yeah. there's a tick in his favour. I do yeah. feel like even if he's not maybe the permanent mid, he's at least in the team. Whereas yeah. Johnson, I think, is close to that vest yeah. kind of a risk. What's North Melbourne's midfield look like? So, we, so LDU. LDU. Then We've we go Wardlaw. Wardlaw. Are we expecting Sheasel? What What is the go with Sheasel? Because early in the preseason, it's like, oh, Sheasel's <laughs> going in the midfield. Don't bother. And then we see... He recent, matched him that he and McKercher are flanking each other either side. Yeah, the recent reports have been he's been off half black, but I wonder if that's more because of Fisher not being there. And Fisher is going to be playing in tomorrow's match set. Ah. Um, so I think we'll get a good understanding of how yeah. that lines up, especially probably in the first half. I'd expect maybe Fisher's maybe managed. Yeah. Um, but in that first half, first quarter or so, we'll get a good idea, and I think that will help us. So if Sheasel's in there, then that's not the best for Powell. If Sheasel is off half back, then maybe your Lazaros and Powell's might be those guys. Consideration. After like a Simkin, Wardlaw and LDU as sort of the main three. Um, From, so, uh, it's for, a watch. In terms of Caldwell, I, at a similar price, I'd prefer to see Hobbs in there. Yes, I, I mean, I think Hobbs is a better player, um, yeah. but not available as a, as a forward and, yes. uh, and injured at the moment. I think he's done a hammy or something like that. So a bit of injury cloud there. The one thing I've seen as well, I think... has in a tagging role previously yeah, as well, hasn't he? Bit. I think so. I think um, based on, shout out to Jaden Papowski in his uh, transition inside stoppage points, I think the the thing for Caldwell is, is that he needs that inside midfield role to score. Yep. And outside of that role, he is a player that doesn't score very well. So, um, yeah, just an interesting one. He's one that not many people are talking about and... I think there's a real possibility that he is third or fourth banana, as people like to say these days, um, in the SNM midfield. But, yeah, not one I've had in my team too much. But, again, maybe just someone, just circle his name a little bit. Add a little favourite stuff. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that could happen in the forward line. But, yeah, just a little name to watch, I would say. Beautiful. That'll do it for us today, mate. Oh, it's good oh, to talk about all these fantasy players again. That was a good one, mate. It's good to good to be chatting. We've got one more uh, community chat series coming up. We will be welcoming in another multi-hat winner onto the podcast in Mini Monk, good friend of the show. He's going to be chatting to us about his beloved Frio Dockers. We'll probably pick his brain about the Nat 5 situation and everything else going on there. So stay tuned for that one, guys. Make sure you are liking and subscribing the video. We are very close to our 2,000 subscriber goal. We are how far are we? What are I we think we're at go? 18, closing on 1850 or so, so another okay. 150 or so to go. Right, so make nice. sure you get in there, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you guys are listening. Uh, if you could do both, that would be absolutely awesome, and you'd be a legend. And if you have done both, drop them in the comments, and we'll give you a shout-out. Also, um, I know we're a little bit away, but should we mention the live show that we've got coming up for those people who might not have been listening? Oh, last yes, the live show. So when it does come time to have footy actually being playing, we will be doing a live show on Friday evenings, afternoons, yep. uh, around the time where the Sunday teams do get cut, although this year might be a little bit different with that extended bench yeah. and always good, thing. Always good fun, but join us for a couple, yes. of, couple of drinks. Uh, live over on YouTube. Yeah, after five, you've knocked off work. or yeah, 4.30 p.m. Melbourne time usually is about when we start. I think I'll confirm that. But look, I put you on the spot. Sorry, yeah. but no, yeah. that's all good. Join, um, us, join us for a couple of drinks after work, or even if you're yeah. at work. We'll go hide, through captain from the boss, all that kind of stuff. We'll get the big boys going soon. So beautiful. Do check it out, guys. Again, five star rating review, like, subscribe, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.